You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. All right, so you're wondering, how do I listen to you guys live? How do I check it out? Well, good news. We stream every Wednesday, 9 p.m. over on Twitch. Nerddux, N-E-R-D-D-U-X, or Nerd to Know Media on YouTube or Twitch. That's how you're going to go to catch us. Hope to see you in the live chat. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Centre, this is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is Hello, everybody, and we are here with Nerd to Know Basis on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Hey, everybody. Uh, we have Bryn. Yo! And we got Kian. Yo! <laughs> <laughs> we're so very excited. We're, we're just... We're... The screams, they're not agony, they're excitement. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you have, to, you have to be excited. It's another week of this show. <laughs> so, I mean, if you survive that, it's all uphill from here, episode-wise. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, no, the, the excitement is truly palpable because uh, we're, I think we're just going to jump right into this uh, yeah. because me, myself, and Brian have been holding this back since for a week now. Yeah. Uh, last Wednesday, it was announced that Adult Swim are going to be making uh, feature-length films out of three thought-cancelled projects. The first is Aquatine Hunger Force. Which well, can I can I get a sample test? Is anyone here excited about the Aquatine Hunger Force movie? I don't know what it is. I'm about as excited for this one as I was for the previous Aquatine Hunger Force film, which is I'm, not very. I don't think I watched any Aquatine since I was twelve, and I think that was about the time I was watching it. Yeah, like that's so, the time. That's that is the correct time to watch Aquatine Hunger Force. Yeah, like again, not very. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but the two big ones are. Uh, feature lengths for uh, the Venture Bros and Metalocalypse. Uh, yeah. So, as if you are an avid listener, you were probably here. It, it must only have been a, like a couple of months ago, uh, like just before Christmas, that they announced that they said the Venture Bros were cancelled. Yeah, and they were bringing it back on Twitter unceremoniously. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm I'm really happy for like. Um, for like all there, there was a, a bunch of Twitter accounts that were set up purely as a campaign to try and get to try and get uh, uh, to get Venture Brothers back. And I think Metal uh, Metal uh, I can never say it. Metal <laughs> Metalocalypse. Metalocalypse um, have the 
like they had like they they've had campaigns to get them re to get mm. to get more content off them. So getting films is great. Like I think I like I, I Metalocalypse was was the one where it's it's a couple of years now. Uh, I think mm. the, I think Doomstar Requiem was about four or five years ago now. Uh, that like it's Metalocalypse to me. Look where I love this is like that. This is the one that I I am giddy at because mm. where Doomstar left off. It like it kind of wrapped a lot of stuff up and felt like there was just maybe one or two dangling prot threads that another season, maybe a movie could. So I'm so so happy that they that like Brandon Small gets the chance to finish it and also delighted at the con- at the prospect of more Death Clock. Yeah, Salav- like I I I I'm gonna go off. Metalocalypse is fan goddamn fantastic. If you if if you like metal, it's a much it's a must watch. And if you like kind of adult humor, adult swim stuff, it's also just very very good. So uh, as the one sole <laughs> resident non metalhead on this expanding team, like give me a I, quick. Crash I, I actually know. I I love the elevator pitch for this show. It is a show yeah. that follows the exploits of an extreme death metal band who are so popular they are in themselves the world's twelfth largest economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's pretty and, much. And their like shows spinal tap, and their show though like spinal tap inflated by a thousand. Mm. <laughs> like their shows are so large, elaborate, and deadly. Anyone entering it has to has to sign a pain waiver that releases the band from liability of pain or death. Fair. It's uh, it's it's excellent. And uh, just like if if you are if you if you do like uh heavy metal and just like know things uh just know a lot of like uh there's so many references like one of my favorites is one of the first episodes where they go to a supermarket named Burzums. oh yeah <laughs> um but then it's also i think like there's like just a, a slathering of like uh guest uh voice actors i think like james Edfield and kirk hammett appear just as cameos in it they've got rob halford a couple of times it's it's just it is a it is a plethora for metalheads and yeah. all of this is wrapped up in accompanying it in the episodes. Just some of the best death metal, frankly, I've ever heard put to tape. Yeah, it, it, it's also it has like it has it has like um, a surprisingly uh, deep variance in the kind of humor it has. Like there is like there are. There are like a, there's a lot of layers for like repeat viewing jokes, like stuff like Burzum's is so clever, but then, but then on top of it, they also just have um, like some highly quotable, highly imitatable characters, like Rock the Clown. <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely, definitely not five o'clock drive time quotes. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. But you know. Um, you know, the less said about Roxo the clown and what he gets up to in the days. <laughs> what what substances he abuses. God bless him. Yeah. He, doesn't abuse like, any, he doesn't abuse any substances, they abuse him. <laughs> but it's like there's there's such there is such a love of craft that goes into just mm. every part of it that is even like like on first glance is just kind of a, a very adult swim kind of a uh, uh, adult humor kind of thing but like the, the refinement and I love the as I mentioned the last thing they did a couple of years ago was a bit of 50 minute special called the Doomstar Requiem which took a lot of the plot threads like some prophetic visions a government conspiracy and a kidnapping 
and just made it this they they created a a rock opera a death metal rock opera and i listen to it constantly it's so it's so so good and i'm so upset it hinges on being a climax to five seasons of tv that i can't just show it to people when you put the broad pitch like that it kind of sounds like the plot of the simpsons movie though oh it's stars above beyond it's it's (laughs) way no it's it's way better But, uh, like, I think one of my favorite, like, and on top of that, like, Brendan Small just has fun with it. Like, one of the scenes in it is a flashback to the rhythm guitar player joining the band uh, where they hold auditions for guitar players. And it's just an extensive, just three-minute sweeping guitar duo solo. And he just wrote that because he wanted a three-minute guitar solo on national TV. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I don't know how it happens that animation, this like so closely controlled and planned out thing, can lead to these crazy improvised things on Adult Swim like that. That you mentioned the solo, or indeed the like kind of the whole thing with Rick and Morty. Who? What? Justin? What's his Justin name? Wyland. Justin, Justin Wyland. Justin Wyland. Just getting drunk and saying things and then having to animate the results. Like, I, think I don't know how like, that happens. I don't always agree with Adult Swim. I think they do leave a lot to creator control. And like these sorts of properties, like your Rick and Morty, like your Metalocalypse, mm-hmm. they are very single-minded, single-visionary concepts. Like, mm-hmm. like Metalocalypse is Brendan Small. So... Mm-hmm. Like he is full control and anything he says, the animators do like they, like I, I have problems with adult swim as a whole. Again, like their handling of the of the canceling of Metalocalypse was a shambles. Brendan Small didn't find out about it until the press releases saying the show was canceled. <laughs> um, but like they, they definitely like compared to a lot of animation studios and uh, channels, they definitely seem to give a lot of creative freedom. Yeah, well, I mean, that's this, that's even true for uh, Venture Brothers. I mean, I don't think you can... Um, there's not many networks that would allow you to have a, a primary villain be uh, be a shapeshifter who takes the form of David Bowie. It just doesn't happen very frequently. Um, yeah. Oh and, like, again, I'm not embellishing. That literally happens. David Bowie plays... <laughs> is a, is a oh, villain. it's actually him. Oh, I don't know if it's him, but the character's called David Bowie. He looks oh, like David Bowie. Oh, okay. I thought you meant David Bowie was the voice actor. Yeah. Like, I mean, David Bowie was in well, the Twin Peaks film. He's it, up for a bit of weirdness. He is, yeah. But it, it's very it's very clearly intended to be David Bowie, you know? Um, and then as well as that stuff, like, I mean, just like the... Like the character of... Uh, the characterization of, uh, of uh, someone like, like the monarch is just mesmerizingly good because like basically he's st- like when he starts off he's this uh like he's a super villain trying to make uh, who basically has an obsessive uh need to uh, be the arch nemesis of um of a uh, dr rusty venture who's like the dad of the venture brothers and uh, he starts off as that and he basically me- he basically explains that like um he was orphaned at a very young age and was raised by butterflies, <laughs> by monarch butterflies. I mean, the monarch butterflies only last like a couple of months, and he would just basically get raised by intermittently by different generations of butterflies. And um, 
by the time they get all the way through the show, you also find out that his dad was actually a superhero and all this kind of stuff. And it's just unbelievable. And the voice acting cast they get in is absolutely mad. Uh, Kevin Conroy plays a superhero I'd rather not talk about. And, <laughs> Please um, tell me that's his actual name. No, his, uh, he's oh, uh, ca- Captain... I think it's Captain Sunbeam or something like that. Hang on a okay. second. Are we I'm getting on IMDb to anyway, not on the so. five territory here? Or? Uh, no, I mean, he has a suit- his name is suitable, but I don't want to really talk about him in too much uh, detail because <laughs> okay. the less said, the better. But they also have like... Um, I haven't, uh, I haven't Captain watched, Sunshine. I haven't watched Captain the series Sunshine. now, but I have seen the screenshots of the the quite clearly fanta- like jaded Fantastic Four parody. Mm, mm. <laughs> oh, the Fantastic Four, Four, Four parody is amazing. Like, uh, they have like the Invisible Woman, but all she can do is make her outer layer of skin invisible. Oh, God. There's Mr. Fantastic, but he's like, he's so obsessed with his work that he doesn't actually really care about anyone else. Mm. Um, That's not too far from the real thing. He keeps forgetting like the name of his son and stuff like that. It's really, again, not too far from the real thing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's taking Mr. Fantastic to to an extreme, you know? Um, the real Mr. Fantastic put his son in a coma once using yeah. Mephisto magic, like, yeah. and he was put on trial for saving Galactus. Like, yeah, it's hard to top the original, but yeah. it sounds like they're doing it somehow. Yeah, like I mean, um, oh yeah, there's like, uh, like I'm trying to think of like other. So like, yeah, they had Clancy Brown in it as well, playing a supervillain, which is great. Um, you know, and like, I mean, Clancy's awesome. He's just such oh, a great Oh, he's voice one of those actor. actors who, if he's in it, I'll give it a go. Uh, like, you know. I actually, um, I didn't, I wasn't planning on talking about it, but I saw Promising Young Woman and I was Ooh. shocked to see that he's in it. Really? He's, he's playing a nice man. And it's like, this isn't Clancy Brown. <laughs> this isn't Where Clancy is Brown. At all. Is, yeah. it, is this so? It's Mr. Krabs Cl- Clancy Brown, not I Kirk love Clancy money. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> basically yeah and like i mean oh yeah like um the mr fantastic characters played by stephen colbert what? Ooh, oh i can yeah. see that working professor yeah. professor impossible yeah damn, damn so good. good so good man and that's like, another adult swim connection because he's in rick and morty too yeah yeah and like um but I mean, Stephen Colbert goes way back with Adult Swim stuff. Like, I mean, he was uh, Phil Ken Seven in the fantastic Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did a good bunch of voices for that show because that was like before he really got famous. Um, Harvey Birdman's so great. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, like I mean, for it's one of those things. Like, I like Adult Swim while. I, like, I've been the same as Kev. Like, I have my grievances with them, but overall, like, they they tend to do shows that like actually like are quite daring and have like um, well, that's part of their brand, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, in, like I mean, you've got to respect any network that's going to give a chance to Assy McGee. You know, <laughs> is how I feel. I mean, about even it. like. Like I, I know it's 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 become just a jaded topic of conversation now. You gotta give props to a show that gave a chance to Rick and Morty. How, like, did yeah. you watch that pilot? Oh it's, my god. It's drunk oh, back to the when future. it was Doc and Marty, like Yeah. But like, oh yeah. And the channel was like, Yeah, take our money, take yeah. that's it. And and then and then to top it off, just to twist the knife in even more, imagine going imagine going, Well, we've given you money, show us what the next episode is, and it has a dog 
inquiring oh, of why God, he was I neutered. I that was the next episode. <laughs> the very next yeah, episode. Yeah, that one. I'd, I'd still maintain that's probably the best episode in the entire run as well. Probably, but yeah. that's just me. Um, <laughs> like, but yeah. Oh, no, the, I, 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 it's, it's a bit on that trying too hard to be edgy type thing that series one has, but I do get kind of conceptually, I love it to bits. Like, you know. Yeah, I like. I think I, I I think with the with I think with a lot of their shows they can always like veer into that quite easily. Mm. Um, and I'd say like I think for like like I think for Rick and Morty, um, it's a show that like I don't know if it ever really tries too hard to be edgy, but I think it's always trying too hard to make Rick right, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, Dara sent us on a big video essay thing from what's the name, EMP Lemon once or something like that. Mm. I can definitely see a shift from the early series, Rick being the problem with the family, to Rick being right and the family themselves being the problem. But yeah. overall, as like, compared to say, you know, Sherlock or something like that, they have put in the work to keep Rick kind of flawed. Do you know what I mean? And keep all the characters kind of economic, at least. Yeah, like, I, I definitely think that, like, it's a show where I think that, like, everyone is flawed, but like, but again, like, in terms of, like, what the narrative says, the narrative tends to say that Rick is right, mm. um, which isn't, like, again, it's I, just I mean, I, 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 I agree and I disagree. I think the end of series four very much puts Rick in the wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah like, I mean, so but that's like, like that's one of the few times in the run that's happened. Mm. You know, um, like I mean, again, like I'm mean, again, like I would say, like Lawnmower Dog's one of my favorite episodes, and that's an episode that very much is like, mm. well, Rick is right, but like it, the reasons why he's right is why <laughs> I enjoy it. You know, <laughs> um, like, but then again, like I mean, in season four, they kind of did the whole thing with like him going on a ridiculous feud over a toilet, and I personally would say that's one of the lowest points in the show. Um, um, I, 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 I agree and I disagree because, like, I think because it's him on his own, it's interesting to see what his priorities are. Do you know what I mean? What he puts value in. Mm. I think I. Again, like the dog thing, I find that conceptually funny more than kind of in execution. Actually funny. You know? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Kind of, kind of, if kind of that level. I get where you're coming from, though. Like, it's you yeah. do with, with some of them, you kind of like, I get it. I get it. But at least every episode feels unique. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, even like, the episodes that are like, that are tangentially supposed to be the same, mm. like the, um, the multi universe. Uh, television TV. episodes, yeah, like which I love. I love those episodes. <laughs> oh, the dream ones as well. The memories mm. they've erased of themselves. Yeah, or that um, that's that story train thing they did from the last episode. Oh, that, I love. Season. Like, that I'm a sucker. Great. I'm a sucker for meta narratives. Like, I think yeah. you risk going too far in the Family Guy direction, where you're too aware and that nothing's yeah, funny mean, and there's no stakes. <laughs> but I think they they ride the line just enough yeah. so far. Well, like, I mean, Family Guy, Family Guy, it wasn't so much the meta narrative stuff that ruined Family Guy. It was the fact that, like, they they fundamentally changed every character's ethos very, very quickly. 
you know, you seem to know a lot about this. I'd like to hear it. Like, so when the show, when the show started, um, it was, it was basically, uh, it was basically just another Simpsons show, but they, uh, where you had, you had a, a fat drunk idiot in Peter, you had a level headed wife in Mar or in Lois, um, See that mistake is telling. <laughs> yeah, and then, <laughs> but then, like, and then you had like a pretty nothing daughter in Meg, mm. and I mean, Chris is just so off kilter. You can't really compare him to Bart, but he's not. He wasn't in the first season anyway. He wasn't really much of anything to really say. Yeah, but I think that's also because Seth Green just gave such a weird, like, quoting quoting uh, Seth MacFarlane as well. He said he had such a weird expletive voice <laughs> um yeah but to be fair you know, to seth green if you've got a nothing character you've got to give a bigger voice to give him something yeah you know and he he did that because like apparently everyone else that was doing like surfer voices when they saw his character model all and then, right and like what like uh, seth green um he was he was doing this thing all day with his friend before he went to the audition that he hadn't prepared for um where they were <laughs> They were imagining what it was like to be Buffalo Bill doing other jobs, like doing day jobs. So That sounds but, like an adult swim show. Yeah. So it's like, and again, like Seth Green uh, uh, did Robot Chicken. So, you know, like, it's like, do you want fries with that? I'd have fries with that. You know, and stuff like that. Because like, he didn't have a... Yeah. And because he had a... Because he just had that voice in, the, in his head that day, that's the voice he did. <laughs> um, you won't hear Chris the same ever again because of that um, and then but like and then they also added in Stewie and Brian mm. Brian's kind of like um, a dry humoured intelligent dog who can speak and Stewie's an evil genius baby yeah. and then over the course of the show they decided that uh, they decided that like they were just going to double down on the idea that Peter is not just stupid, but worryingly thick, um, like concerningly dumb. Um, Lois is a complete loose cannon and can break down at any point mentally. Uh, Meg seems to be the only level-headed person in the family. And they always um, bully her. Yeah. Um, Chris... Chris is probably the only character who stayed like the same and that he's still very much a nothing character. Mm. All you can say is that like because of that things he's done in episodes, he's pretty terrible, but that's kind of <laughs> about it. And um, Stewie's gone from being a genius to being pretty stupid. And um and they've leaned way more into the idea that he might that he's probably gonna grow up to be gay. Um, even though they've done an episode in the future where he's straight. Yeah. You know. Uh, and Brian went from being level-headed and smart and uh, being dry-witted to be to that all being a front. Um, which that kind of, I don't mind. I like characters uh, changing over time. But, yeah, uh, the, the the problem I have with that is that there's specific episodes that happen. Uh, there's specific episodes that happen in early seasons that like Brian wouldn't do in later seasons, and I don't. I don't like you know character growth is one thing but like there's an episode in I think it's like season three where he falls in love with an old age pensioner because they actually have so many they, their common interests just oh I remember destroy, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. destroy the idea of um 
destroy like the generational divide because they they have a combined passion for opera. Now, modern Brian would pretend to have um would pretend to have that passion for opera and would never never do something like that. And I just go like, well, uh, because I just go like, ah, the, I always preferred the way it was in the first like three or four seasons. Afterwards, it's like, nah, they've kind of ruined a lot of these characters. And people go, well, they've ma- they've I've heard arguments for why it's funnier now. And I go like, if it's funnier now, why is it that I can still watch season one jokes and laugh, but you show me any episode from season six onwards and I don't once. You know? Yeah, it's, I mean, to go back to kind of the adult swim thing, like it's the, the Family Guy became famous kind of off the back of its kind of cutaway gags, like, you know, yeah. which Simpsons had first, but, you know, it wasn't their brand. So we'll give Family Guy that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and but that, then, that's something that um, Seth MacFarlane was trying for ages to do hmm. in an animated series. Exactly. And like, but then they kind of, at least as you say in series one and two, they kind of flowed out of the narrative to some degree. Like one of my favorites is like when I think for whatever reason, Peter messes up booking Stewie's like birthday party. Yeah. And so he tells the reenactment of it yeah. where it's a castle. He turns into the Hulk yeah. and it kind of, it's still a cutaway, but it kind of, it flows with the events. <laughs> yeah. And That's later a- <laughs> on, it's like, it, it's series six or seven. It's yeah. just, a footballer throwing a cake in a woman's face. They become or something a, like that, you know. They become a South Park described it a manatee joke. Yeah, I would still, yeah. I would yeah, still yeah. say season two has the the best cutaway joke they've ever done. Where um no. Uh basically what happens is the um they get they get put in they get uh, they get uh, this invitation to win a free boat and they're sitting there they have. They can pick. They can pick up the. They can get their keys to a new boat, or they can choose the mystery box. And Peter, Peter, in his infinite wisdom, is like, well, the box. Is, it's like the. It's like, well, the boat's a boat, but the box could be anything. It could even be a boat. You know how much we want one of those boats. And then on the way, on the way home, they're getting like a. They're getting. Um, Lois is giving out to him about this. He goes, oh, come on, Lois. You act like this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> do you remember that time? I, 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 do you remember that time I didn't get us a boat and then it just does the scene again? <laughs> and... <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, but uh, anyway, sure. Um, it's, yeah, it's a shame. But like then again, I suppose... Any show that kind of runs that long will kind of lose yeah, its rhythm the, the, eventually. The, the, this is why comedy shows especially should not last much longer than, like, I would say even five seasons, like three yeah. or four seasons. There are exceptions, but by and large, yeah. Unless yeah. the show is daring enough to kind of transform itself in a kind of natural way. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I mean, like, I mean, the, I, the example we've cited before is the kids stop being the main characters in South Park and the parents become it. But like, yeah. you know, that's very... Well, I, I would say that South Park takes like, South Park took about three years to become the show it was for the next seven. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like, um, and like you can see like massive, like you can see like these big seismic changes in what they were doing in storytelling over, like depending on what run you're watching. Like, I mean, Going back on them, season five, it's like from season season five to ten, it's just like 
ridiculously good. And it's very rare for that to happen, to have that have it be that kind of stretch. It's in the same way that it's rare for the Simpsons to kind of it took them a couple of seasons to really find their feet with it. Mm. You know? But, well, I mean, it's always gonna take a while when you're the first one to do something in fairness. Yeah, like I mean, with what was interesting in like Family Guy's case was that like because um they did two seasons and then they got cancelled. And then they got brought back for a season and then they got cancelled again. And then they were quickly brought back again because DVD sales went absolutely bananas. You know, so like... Back when DVD sales were a thing. Yeah, yeah, during that brief window when DVD sales were a thing. <laughs> and like, because of that, then they were just on the air permanently from that point because like they, they just knew they'd always make money back from it. Mm. So like, but I mean, like, that, I mean, that's kind of the difference though. It's like with, um, like, and that's one of the things that makes Alice Swim great is because like, I found the guy got a chance again as well because like one of the reasons I was renewed once was because it was put on Alice Swim and it did really, really well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like, okay. Family Guy, like, I was after the, this, uh, got a season three run because Island Swim did, it did really well there. Am I correct as well in thinking Adult Swim was one of the places Futurama took a comeback as well? It was, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was. That explains a lot, too. Yeah. Uh, I was, like, that was, was, that, was that the movies or was that like the second comeback? Um, the second comeback was with Comedy Central. I think the movies were Adult Swim. Yeah, that was it. Um, now that you mentioned it, those movies do have like an adult swim feel to it. Like I think that they spend the in the first film, the first five minutes, just complaining about getting cancelled and grinding up. Oh, like, no, there the was yeah, no, was the going... and selling it like that feels very yeah. more on their end of comedy. Oh yeah, Matt Groening was going to spend some time giving out about Fox. There was no yeah. getting around. <laughs> well, the, that was the, I don't know why I'm saying Fox. It's the box company. Is who, who cancelled them? It was the box company. My boy's a box. Twentieth century box. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, and then like the light goes out on the, the it goes the, out on the bottom the B, side yeah. of the B, so it becomes the box. Good stuff. You know, but I mean that, that like I mean that's the thing though is that swim has a lot more it has a lot more like room and versatility for stuff like that to come through. It just makes for better, like it just makes for better opportunities, you know. Like it's the same way that, like when you know, it's the same way when they expanded for tsunami and stuff like that. Like it just opened the door for more, for more off kilter stuff because that was where uh, Cowboy Bebop got its first Western showing. Oh, and that's they've actually because they they've reopened or like re-blocked that tsunami thing yeah. with a lot of like the the hot new anime series like. Like Demon Slayer, Hero Academia, these are all getting prime time TV slots mm. now. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, no, it's it's absolutely just a, a place for for very creative, good, just good television now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's always like I mean, the only thing, like, the only show I've ever seen where I was really surprised it wasn't an Adult Swim show was Axe Cup. Um. And I don't know if either of you have heard. I'm getting so, from your troubled I, faces. I haven't understood a reference to anything that has been brought up apart from okay. Family Guy this episode. Please explain. So, um, Axe Cop started life as a webcomic where um, it was like two, I think they're half brothers, um, where it was two, I think it was like two half brothers. And they, they wanted to stay in contact when the older brother went to college. Um, and the younger brother is like eight years old. 
and the older brother again, he was like, I think in his like late teens or early twenties. Uh, so they did a webcomic together so they could just stay in contact where like the, the eight year old would basically write star would basically come up with plot ideas and then the older brother would draw it and try to make sense of it. So it, <laughs> It has, this wonder- yeah, yeah. Yeah. it has this wonderful sense of humor to it. Basically, like everything you need to know is from the opening is from the, uh, the show was like based off the webcomic itself where they have Nick Offerman playing the main role. Okay, I'm in. And uh, basically everything you need to know from it is like is said in the opening spiel where it's like one day a cop found the perfect axe and he became <laughs> axe cop. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah, you're telling me this isn't an Adult Swim show. It's not an Adult Swim show, no. It was on uh, Animation Domination, I think, uh, from Fox. And it's, oh man, it's just so good. Like they, uh, <laughs> um like it has this like, wonderful sense of like just simplicity to it it's like you are a bad guy i am going to chop your head off and it's <laughs> it's just fantastic yeah that's in line with the comics i wrote when i was eight yeah mm, yeah it, um like, it's like i'm going to speak to the king of all bad guys <laughs> you know, stuff like that it is so good he rides around on a on a dinosaur with guns for arms like <laughs> Well, that's just common sense. And then, yeah. okay, and you're telling me that this isn't animated, that this is a cartoon, that this yeah. isn't just on a on a uh, like on a lion page like copy book that you found in the gutter. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's actually um, it's actually um, it's actually a thing that existed. I think it's ca- it's been cancelled for a while though, unfortunately. See, that's um, the Gallop swim. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I use Axe a Cop segue is- into? Um, bizarrely another animated thing about a kid who creates things about grizzled detectives that i've seen this sure week. shoot <laughs> have you guys seen or even heard of the mitchells versus the machines yes 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 yeah, I watched it. it's great excellent can we talk about that absolutely all right well then just for anyone listening at home uh it's on netflix so if you have that it's free none of that disney plus 27 quid plus your subscription nonsense it's kind of produced by is it Phil it's, Lord uh, and yeah it's it's, it's Lord Miller Lord uh, Miller thank you and uh, working through Sony Animation Studios so the Spider-Verse uh, team basically and, yeah the Sp- the, well, the Spider-Verse and the Lego movie team uh, I think yeah. actually it'd be closer to the Lego movie team uh, well it looks like Spider-Verse that's, that's all the I'll thing say. that's and that's Sony uh I think actually, I think Sony did do the Lego movie, but like, yeah, no, they're pulling those Spider Verse influences with the pop art style. Yeah, and it's oh my god, yeah, no, first things first. That this movie is incredible looking. Yeah, stunning. Can I give a rundown of the plot just before we go into sure, the technical sure, sure. stuff? So, it's ostensibly about a family of four, kind of with the main character being this teenager who's about to go off to college. She's an aspiring filmmaker, by which I mean. She makes nonsensey YouTube videos to the Nyan Cat music and makes videos on green screen with her horribly diseased pug who can't see. Yes, you do. And it's basically about that her and the dad are kind of falling out and they decide to kind of patch things up between them by having a road trip on the way well, to her the, first the day of dad, college. The dad decides that they need to patch the dad things decides up. Without her permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because they fundamentally don't understand another. And on the way to that, they are interrupted by 
a machine apocalypse ostensibly caused by Wi-Fi and iPhones voiced yeah. by Olivia Coleman. But and that's as much as I can kind of say without spoiling the magic. And I feel like that's still about 20 minutes spoiled. Over to you guys. What do you think? I yeah. like I remember actually they released the first trailer for this well over a year ago at this point, I think. Uh mm. COVID obviously grinding. You're right, actually. They keep dating it in um, 2020 in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I remember watching the trailer and like, you know, seeing Lord Miller, seeing Sony, I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, like 90% of the trailer is, you know, the kind of the family road trip and the kind of the, the very kind of a, a interpersonal relationship stuff. And I was like, okay, that's, that's cute. That's interesting. And then it's just 10 seconds of, oh, and there's a robot uprising. It's like, hey. <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> no, it's, it's stunning. Like, Gorgeous the anime and it's stunningly funny. Like it's if you thought the Lego movie was sharp, this is exactly that same kind of razor humor. It's it's what the two robots who I like it seems like the robots are every voice actor under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I like I can't I'm actually blanking on any yeah. names, but like the two robots uh, who kind of show up regularly in the film not to say too much about them are just like every word out of their mouth is the funniest thing I have heard in a long time mm. it, <laughs> um, it, it reminds me a lot like a lot of the jokes a lot of the lines they have from it reminds me of um, there's a subreddit and again if you're not using reddit I'd apologies for the next few seconds uh, they, there's a subreddit called totally not robots where it's a bunch of people pretending that they're robots pretending to be human and that's exactly it's like ah yes i i like to consume water with my <laughs> mouth hole like and that it's so good like i love it so much uh and just like not to say too much i don't know it doesn't matter who you are it does not matter where you are from and it does not matter what your comedy is the Furby scene will kill you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, God. watch the movie. I I think I'm just I I'm so happy that like something and it's been getting a lot of positive press. Like it is become very very popular. I'm happy that we are getting something original. That's kind of that's that's the real that's, kind of meat that you've I'm really led into. to the point I was going to go to. I actually it's, enjoyed this more than both the Lego Movie and Spider Verse, and that's impressive when you don't have that attachment to a character already coming into it. This is wholly original the like kind of there are some broad strokes characterization like kind of like you know with the sort of the tech guy who runs the company that kind of stuff but by and large i mean there are references to kind of obscure internet things kind of woven in there but if you didn't know what they were it wouldn't slow down the narrative like it's just it's a wonderful wonderful film and to kind of cycle back a bit to the family guy thing like all the characters are really like well designed and well thought through. They all get like a personal journey. They all have complex relationships to one another. And the mm. dog is just great. It's like it, no no element of it is wasted, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I think it's also worth kind of couching it while while talking about the the greatest film of all time, Paddington Two. Um, ah. because it has a lot of the things hallmarks of what makes Paddington 2 work as well like um, what? because again like it's what you're saying like the almost all the pieces of it fit together you know they start off as loose threads but they all tie together into one nice little package toward right at the end of the film where every, like every single arc every single little detail has pay, has set up and payoff 
And this is exactly even beyond the story beats. This is a film you can't like watch with your phone in your hand because every half second, either the animation every, or the every writing frame is throwing is, a joke at you. Every or, like, frame is a that journey. Pays off later, um, like. Absolutely. Yeah, every, every frame is a journey, and just like again, just kind of the splashes of pop art, the splash, the like, and I keep having to harp on the animation is gorgeous. Like the the movement, the flow, the framing, it's all just a, it's a visual treat. Yeah, uh, and just I like I, I working in its favor is the fact that it is a family movie. I know that is a family movie that just builds and builds and builds into such a huge spectacle at the end. It's, uh, and it's I think a family it's, it's, movie, but it's also like, sorry to cut across you there, Kev. It's not, see, I take issue with the notion that if it's written for kids, it can kind of half-ass it or dumb it down a bit. This is sharp. Like, I mean, a kid's not going to appreciate when, like, the tech guy says, wow, maybe selling everyone's personal information and putting it into a database run by an AI was a bad idea. Like, you know. It's not like it's very sharp writing. Oh yeah, like, but like that's it's like that's what that's one of the strengths I think it it takes as a family movie is because it can it can work in things like that that are hilarious to you know a jaded thirty year old, <laughs> uh, but also you could you know sit and watch it with like your kids, your cousins, you that, uh, and it just doesn't it doesn't because it's not just like an anime uh, 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 an adults like R thing. It doesn't have to resort to just like you know toilet humor. Yeah. It it gets to just really just ride that razor lightning of being just very smart and very witty. <laughs> and even when it does kind of things like that, like I think there's a scene where they talk about a time they had to like sneak naked backwards through the neighbor's garden. They do it in a really wholesome way. Like you know, it's like it's. The humor doesn't come from random things happening. These characters are both incredibly wholesome and decidedly insane. And that's a, to go again, to kind of go back to the family guy thing. It's always better when you have kind of fully fleshed out characters, being them funny selves rather than putting characters in like an absurd situation or just trying to make your character so crazy that that's the joke go back to like the Peter being dangerously dumb or whatever, yeah. like, you know, they hit the perfect balance with this one. Like, absolutely. I mean, it, it's very much a case of like every single character gets to actually fulfill a purpose that actually contributes to something. And one of the things that, like, one of the things I was very surprised by was that we got to see more from, um, uh, that we got to see more from that uh, that tech mogul than I thought we would. I thought after he had the after he had that little one liner <laughs> at the beginning of it, going, "Who would have thought that doing something so invasive would come back to be would be actually dangerous?" Yeah. I thought after that, it's like, "Oh, well, that's the end that we're going to see of him." That's like, yeah. but I was surprised that he got to actually have more. Uh, more moments in the show after in the film towards like towards the final act. I wasn't expecting that to happen. Oh yeah, like but even it just if, shows. Yeah, sorry, go on. But it just shows like how how well like how like economic the screen time is that there's like every character is there serves a purpose and is there to do it to do something for whatever length runtime they have. Oh yeah, like I mean, it's hard not to get into spoilers, but like even the dog has an arc, <laughs> and it's just a dog. Like, you know, and like, oh, God, I, I, it's hard not to spoil. But the dad trying to use the Internet. Oh, broke yeah. my heart. 
because I oh. sympathize so much yeah. with just everything going wrong so quickly. Yeah. Like, you know, either we've been that person or we've helped that person and it took a long time. Like, you know, these like, even though this isn't based on a real robot apocalypse, like, I mean, they even say, here's pictures of the real uh, Mitchells at the end, like, you know, and they lovingly show photos of the cast and crew with their families, like, you know, over the credits and stuff. Mm. Like, you do get the sense that this is based on real personalities, if not a real story. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Or like someone you know is like the dad or something like that. Well, I think that the best comp- like the best uh, comedic characters are based on real people. You know, I mean, um, like Basil Fawlty was ba- was based on an actual, uh, actual, uh, a- uh, actual person who had anger management problems in a Torquay hotel. You know, it's not actually actually true. Like Bernard Black is based on an actual bookshop owner in Dublin, you know, like, Ooh, do you have more details? You're talking no, to people who work in bookshops. No, I just read Like, If you haven't seen black books, I highly recommend watching it on all four. Oh, I've got it. No, no, black yeah. books, the feedback loop where every bookseller is Bernard black. And then now that every bookseller has seen Bernard black, every bookseller will become Bernard black. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Well, every, <laughs> I think every bookseller starts out Manny and ends up Bernard Black. I think that's the, the way it goes. Like, and you go you through know. a transitional period with Fran. It's like it's a it's a full thing. Well, tra- Fran, as we all know, is eternally transient. So that's that's just <laughs> true, you know. <laughs> poor Fran. Yeah, but, but at the anyway. same time, she's not poor at all. She's great, and we love yeah. her. So, oh yeah. Um, Again, like the Seth Green thing, I think mm. Fran is another example of an actor having to bring a lot more because the script doesn't give them much to work with. Yeah, but she's fantastic. Oh, she is. Said <laughs> <laughs> by an actor who doesn't get a lot to do in scripts, but makes the most of every oh, single thing he does. Uh, yeah, he's know. another one who, if he's in it, I'll go see it. Yeah, oh, but he's just great. He's just so great. I, like, I mean, even in that one episode of uh, of that show of Black Books, it's so good. Right. <laughs> oh, see, Black Books, I'd struggle to say it's objectively a great show, but every episode has a guest star that makes it brilliant, and he's one of them. Like, you know, it's... I, I don't know. I, I hate the IT crowd and there's the, the stank of the IT crowd in there a bit, except for series three where none of them's gone by that point. Well, Leonard's only in yeah. one season. I, I, he, no, only, he only who, did the first series. No, who, are you sure? What, what, are you, what are you talking yeah. about? Hat, Hatsune Miku wrote Black Books and Father Ted and Harry Potter. Glenner, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, well, Glenner only then. did the first series. He wasn't did it for the second one. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, I hate saying it because I, I kind of my own writing is quite a lot like Graham Lennon's, but yeah. like he definitely has a style, and when it pokes through in black books now and again, it does take me out <laughs> well, of it, no matter I, how I many get, times I see it. Again, like he he shamelessly rips off as much from Father Ta- from uh, Faulty Towers as he can get away with, and he oh, yeah. said that in interviews. Like, you know, one of my favorite episodes in the entire run is the uh, the one where they're house sitting. And they end up drinking a bottle of wine that's worth ten thousand pounds. Oh, that's, yeah, that, that's entirely a Gremlin Hidden concoction, <laughs> you know. 
Um, and you can, you can, you can, it's the same thing. Like, it's kind of the same thing as like watching uh, Rick and Morty, where if you're really familiar with community, you're able to pick out which jokes are Dan yeah. Harmon's and which ones aren't, you know? And well, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing there. You can see does, which ones. Does the joke entirely hit? Does the joke entirely hinge on somebody talking like this? I'm being real wacky. That's just a royal. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like the Linehan thing. Like, I mean, I, he just doesn't know how to write women. And that wasn't a problem in Father Ted because there were no women. Yeah. But uh, you get it. But I mean, like, I mean Mrs. Dutton, like crowd, Pauline like, McGlynn yeah. did a great job of, of working with what she had. Again, you know? coming back to that, the actor bringing what the yeah. doesn't have. Like, oh, know. yeah. No, like there is like, it's it's hard to contribute a lot of like what Bernard Black is to to Graham Linehan when that is just Dylan Moore in, yep. in oh, his yeah. natural yeah. habitat. <laughs> they just they took him smoking and drinking from the stage and just put him in a bookshop. Yeah, and I mean like, he's Go. apparently very nice, but you're right, that <laughs> sure, is his yeah. on stage persona certainly. Yeah. And I, I think like I do think that uh, Tamsin Greek brought a lot to uh, to Fran. Um, especially as the show went on. Like, I think you got to see her do more and more with the character. Like, I mean, her, like, Fran's weakest moments are in season, are in the first series by far. But that's true for, that's true for Manny as well. I think Manny gets funnier as it goes along as well, because they found more stuff that actually was, they found, they, they wrote more stuff deliberately for Bill Bailey. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's certainly true. But the problem is, I think, with black books is they discovered that Dylan Moran and Bill Bailey are big comedians who have even bigger chemistry together. So a lot of the episodes have Fran in these little plot cul-de-sacs like she's on a date. She's dealing with her mildly racist Eastern European family. She's working at a job and doesn't know where she is. She's always like kind of in this yeah. little pocket universe th- that, outside of the action, you know. That, uh, but that's what happens when you work in a different shop, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose. But like, like I like she, the third series the most. I, I she love was that subplot as well. What? I love that subplot as well, where she uh, where she works in a job and she doesn't know what she's supposed to be doing, but she's really good at it. I've been <laughs> doing know? it for six years, man. Yeah, like I mean. <laughs> I, but again, like I'm also happy because Rob Brighton's in that episode, and it's just great seeing Rob Brighton do stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I, I think I think that's probably like one of the things to the detriment of the show is that like uh, Bill Bailey and and Dylan had really good had really good chemistry, mm. you know. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, she had good chemistry with Bill Bailey. Do you remember when they were competing for the extra job in the bookshop? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just she just didn't get as many opportunities yeah. like or like when she and Bernard Black keep having these mysterious accidents and having to explain their stories yeah. backwards. Oh, like, that, that was great. That was yeah. great. That actually is great because that was where Bill, uh, Bill drank too much coffee and pretended to be yeah. a policeman. <laughs> and then he works with a guy who ends up uh, be acting as a uh, commissioner Loeb in Dark Knight. Yeah, he's all over the place. He's been in yeah. the war, the Doctor Who War Master series. He's in Peppa Pig. He's. He's yeah. class. He's great. I think his name's Colin McFarlane or something. Mm. He's brilliant. He's just got a great voice. Like, yeah. I also love that. Like, um, uh, Martin Freeman is the doctor in the first episode. But that's what I mean. It's like yeah. for some reason, maybe it's because they were on the same lot of space or something. But for some mm. reason, every week, whether they have something <laughs> to do or not, there will be a big Channel Four personality. Like, oh, David Williams has one line. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Oh, there's somebody, Nick Frost as, yeah. secu- as a security guy. Yeah, like, no, there's Simon Pegg in the other bookshop. Like, yeah. yeah, but so, well, at least that's a big role. But like, you, yeah. you'll get recognizable faces coming in just to do in one tiny line roles. and then yeah. just disappear into the ether. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah no, it, it definitely seems like that parts of these episodes just end up getting recorded in the same weekend as Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like maybe Amid Jalili had his sketch show going out. It's like, oh, well, we'll get him for one episode since he's yeah. here and next door, <laughs> that, like, you know, that kind of thing. That side character as well is one of my favorite by far. Can I touch your beard? Oh my God. I've seen that so many times and I don't understand it, but I, I, I appreciate I, that it's not as very risque. Yeah, I love that he goes from having like a very thick uh, Persian type accent to going full full London English when he says oh, Milky Way. Oh, that's 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 Omar Jalili's whole thing. It, it that's is, his whole thing. Is, yeah. Exactly. It is. Yeah. But like he, he keeps up the he keeps up the Persian accent for pretty much the whole thing, except <laughs> for that one little snippet, and I it kills me every time, <laughs> every single time. Um. But I mean, like, look, Alan just made a career out of having that Persian accent, you know? Oh, well, I mean, his stand-up is great. Like, I absolutely, yeah. I always fall for his bit where he, like, you know, does Iranian stand-up, which is literally mm. just him telling dad jokes interrupted by him doing karaoke. And mm. just the longer it goes on, the more absurd it becomes, the funnier it gets. Yeah, that's Ahmed, all right. <laughs> How did we get here talking? About <laughs> Don't know. What anyway, time did we start recording? I don't even Mitchell's know. The Mitchells and the Machine <laughs> is great. Yeah. Family Guy isn't. These no. Adult Swim things that I haven't heard of are apparently great. Yeah, and this you should watch them again. Statement of the episode. Yeah. Now I think you have to talk about Mass Effect before time runs out. Yeah. So if we have time, <laughs> I don't know who who knows what what is time. Dara, Dara, you've got to tell us now. Dara, please. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> You know, the, basically, I got Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition, um, and I've had a lot of fun with it. Mainly because I don't run, I don't use Windows in my daily life, so I uh, had to go through a big rigmarole of getting it running on Linux, um, which has been uh, which has been difficult. But I finally got there in the end. And playing it has been a dream. I can't get over how much how much is visually being improved. Like, I know Mass Effect is, like, I, I don't want to say it's an old game, but it is by now, Look, unfortunately. we've been in that list. It's an old yeah. game. Yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, the, the level to which it's improved, um, it looks stunning now. Um, and even playing through compatibility layers, it's still smooth as butter for the most part. <laughs> um, you know, like, it, it, yeah, it, if you if you haven't played Mass Effect before, highly recommend getting it. It's a great role playing game. What consoles um, is it available on? It's on, available on Xbox, uh, PlayStation, and PC. Not Switch then. No, not the Switch. Well, I suppose it isn't very Nintendo y anyway. You'll you'll, yeah. you'll get your day one day, Keen. I believe you. Yeah, it, it's also from playing it. It's not a game that. Um, I don't think it would play very well on the Switch, be- gameplay-wise. Um, but that—that's always my feeling with it, anyway. I don't know. I—I I felt like a game, like I find that like really heavy action duty, heavy duty action games don't tend to play terribly well. Like I played Doom on the Switch, and I didn't care for it there. I prefer playing on PC or on a console. 
personally. Okay. Well, that, is that because of the actual technical specifications or just because of the personality of like the Nintendo brand? Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where like, I feel like if it, I felt like every time I had to play Doom, I had to have it in the dock. And if I have to have it in the dock, then I would say it's better off being, um, if I have to play it on the dock, then you I would say it's better off. You might off as well be playing it on another on a, console. Yeah. Like, the Switch games, I think what makes Switch games great is that they can be put, they can be played in the dock, but they can also be played handheld. Mm-hmm. And that's the benefit of it. But not every game suits that. Okay, it's, one that's reasons why, it's one of the reasons why I wouldn't really be interested in playing Skyrim on the Switch, for instance. Oh, but would you not like I suppose oh yeah, I suppose I see what you mean. Like the Skyrim, it's a it's a lot of the time to be hunched over like yeah. this. Yeah, like cave. that's kind of the thing with the, with the with the like you know playing a portable. I you kind of unless I'm doing something else like watching something else, I'd be kind of short bursts. Like that's because I jump back in Hades, yeah. and that's just like every hour or so, just like that half an hour bang, and I might come back to that every two hours. Like Absolutely. something something like a Mass Effect, like having just cracked ninety hours into Dragon Age Inquisition, yeah. <laughs> another Bioware one. I could not see myself playing like just kind of to compare it to Mass Effect. I would play, see myself playing that on the Switch no. because that is a, I go spend five hours ticking away at this, having conversations, going on quests. And I just don't, again, unless I have it in the port, I wouldn't see myself doing that in the cage. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, I mean, with, you know, I think games like, um, you know, I could see myself playing like games like the, like, uh, I could see myself playing like real, real time strategy games, funnily enough, on it. Cause like, it's a nice isometric view. It would be fine on you can pop it on the table with your dinner yeah. like you know yeah absolutely yeah you know and if things are getting too heavy going you can just hit pause come yeah, back Final to Fantasy it when you come games back are great on the switch you know now mm. your points are correct i don't want to buy an xbox or a big complicated pc no. bring mass effect to the switch let everyone else be uncomfortable with it i just want it <laughs> I, which I'm to be honest, I'm sure they probably will at some point. They love porting things. Uh, yeah. And look, the handheld's fine for me because that means it's a game that Prim doesn't get to see on the TV, which is like footage the main use of the portable thing for me. Yeah. Like, oh, it's getting vi- I'll pick that up. Yeah. Sure, sure. Killian already knows how to hold the switch from seeing me play on it. Oh, I can top that. Yeah. Prim ran her scooter into my switch in the dock. <laughs> The, like mm. the screen protector looked like a car that had a, someone go through the windshield. Like, <laughs> I well believe that it's you've not known the pain of like reaching for your scritch, a switch and say, "Please be the plastic, please be the plastic," <laughs> fiddling with it for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. With um, that's the joy of having children and having small handholds that they can do tremendous damage to in not a lot of time <laughs> can i but indulge in, yeah in oh, their defense okay. they were left unsupervised we will yeah. uh, agree we can we can indulge keen for a short time before we wrap up grand yeah. uh i possibly i'm not sure how verbal your killian is yet but i've made a list of um prim has come up with alternate names for the games we play mm-hmm. uh so crash bandicoot is jumping fox uh, Spyro the Dragon is Dinosaur. Uh, Animal Crossing is Teddy's. And Mario Kart is... Hey! 
All of those are accurate names. Uh, yeah, then, no, I can, I can, I can beat the line. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. And then if it's anything else, it's just what you doing? Turn it off. Yeah. No. Seeing, seeing as Killian barely has teeth at this point, there isn't really much more he's saying other than ah. Treasure. Ah, hey, listen, treasure you know, those moments before the sass kicks in. Listen, because there's some, there's some days I think we're all a bit like that. That's mm. look. Ah. If I, if I ever pick the tracks on Mario Kart, she'll go, Dad, I don't like this one. And then I go, but I like this one. She'll go, oh, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. With a big scowl on her face. Yeah. Okay, well, I think with that, we were going to wrap it up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to do a separate podcast on this. Oh, yeah. this this is a game <laughs> corner, Keith. This is written all over it. We're going to have a parent's uh, corner in the game corner. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I suppose first off, Bryn. Yeah. Any, any plugs this time? And uh, no, no, no. Except cool. you can see, you can watch all my, you can listen to all my episode of uh, of Tech Takeover <laughs> <laughs> on Spotify and all those other good places that we do our shows. Apparently, and um, of course, you can listen to more of you on all of our previous Nerd to Know Bases. Yes. Of yeah. course, start from the beginning, go yeah. right back in, <laughs> learn the canon, yeah. learn the. You have to get older to the unlock canon. the rock opera. Yeah, no more than me. Definitely no more than me. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, Kian. Have you anything to plug for the good people this week? Unfortunately, no. Although I'm still running uh, adult drama classes Wednesday, 7 o'clock, completely free. Just look up ADHD drama on Eventbrite. Uh, once you register, like, you know, it's free to attend and no experience required. So if you're looking for drama fun over Zoom on a Wednesday evening, sure. I always come away laughing like a mad Egypt. We've great fun. So you can check that out. And I've actually very little plug this week myself because uh, my my regular weekly D&D game is currently on hiatus. We're deciding to jump on to another one shot, but we're going to do that off camera because we are like that. Uh, but you can as always watch the entire back catalog of that campaign on youtube.com slash Connor Rain, C-O-N-O-R-A-Y-N-E. A lot of fun there. Uh, and otherwise, guys, please, uh, you know, like, comment, subscribe, really help us with the algorithm. Ring uh, that bell. Ring that bell. Do that do. Buy our books. Buy our books. <laughs> Yeet. Comment our thing. All that and, good uh, stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's you know, engagement because we have to we have to feed the, the robotic overlords. Yes. One hundred percent. Yeah, of course. Uh thanks and uh bye bye. 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 Check out the Wrestling Rewind here on Phoenix 92.5 FM every Tuesday at 8pm to 9pm. And of course, over on NerdToKnowMedia.com, the only wrestling podcast by wrestling fans who don't hate wrestling. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.